cool. Um, all right, it is. Uh, um, it's on the uh, Google Doc. Thanks, Ben. You're welcome, baby. What kind of pod is the second half gonna be? <laughs> 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 What's up, salad people? Trent here, and it's Thursday. Nice little deep dive for you today. Excited to be here. Glad to have you join us. It's always nice to be talking with you. And uh, we've got a little bit of a smattering of things on the plate for today. Um, Zach did a cool thing. We're going to talk to him about that. (laughs) Barnett Graff did an amazing thing that's also very sad. So we're going to talk about that. And um, one of the founders of Johan Johan Slinardo... Excuse me, Johannes Leonardo. <laughs> Johannes. Yeah. Let's be real. Does anyone really know how to pronounce those names? Johannes Leonardo, Johannes Leonardo. We don't know Leonardo. <laughs> Maybe if they call in I've and tell us, ways. then we could get it right. Maybe. Yeah, I do know a recruiter there. Maybe. Um, anyway, that aside, I guess that's staying in. So if you heard me flop that, well, you know, we do it live, people. Um, <laughs> we do it live. <laughs> Fuck it, I'll do it live. <laughs> One of my favorite outbursts on television. I know, I love um, that. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Zach, do you want to talk to us about Phoenix Design Week? You were checking that out this weekend. Uh, how was that? Yes. Um, as I mentioned on Tuesday, which was also 30 minutes ago, as we really like to call out, um, since today is Sunday, I just got back from Phoenix Design Week, which is a conference for designers, illustrators, uh, graphic designers, and also writers, apparently. That's why I was there. No, it's really a conference open for anyone uh, in the creative business, in the realm of expressing themselves through any sort of creative means. Um, and we had some incredibly inspiring speakers on stage this year. Uh, so I'm in one of those places where I am blown away and inspired by some of the stuff I heard and also really thinking about the fact that I've done absolutely nothing cool in my life. Yes. Well, that's <laughs> yes. As you know, you should... <laughs> but uh, just to talk briefly about some of the people who spoke, um, we heard from this guy named Tommy Perez, who is a awesome paper designer. Uh, so he builds a bunch of things. He calls himself a maker of things and he's done a, a lot of campaigns. Actually, he worked with OH Trent. I don't know if you were in what on that when he was there for, his name's Tommy Perez, um, mm-hmm. but he I don't know. He, he does work with Target. Uh, what he worked on with OH was the STP uh, account when they first launched oh, that campaign. Oh, yeah, I but remember he, that. Mm-hmm. He builds these scenes out of paper, like completely out of oh, paper. Oh, yeah, those were cool. Watches uh, them to scale actually, yeah. and then takes a photograph of them. Uh, and they stop, just yeah, the stop Did OH do something with that? Yeah, and he does talk about he does some motion stuff, too. Yeah. yeah, OH did something for STP. Yeah, Motor STP Oil. Motor Oil in their first global work for them. They oh. did a stuff with him kind of talking about what is STP and what it does for the car and all that. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. I think you can still see it on OH's Instagram if you go to OH Partners mm-hmm. and check that out. Um It'd be a few months back, but it was cool. So he kicked off the conference and it, it honestly just kept getting better from there. We heard from a guy named Jack Morgan, who's the design lead on Duolingo, which is the language learning app, about pretty much changing the world through design and what they're doing at Duolingo is nothing short of that. Talking about how one of the largest barriers that people have to pulling themselves out of poverty is the fact that they don't know English. 
because like something like 80% of jobs require that you know English. Um, but the problem is, is that in order to learn English, it costs somewhere around like $1,000, which most of these people don't have. And well, Duolingo yeah. is literally changing the world and giving so many people everywhere the ability to learn English uh, and, and therefore pull themselves, their families, their communities out of poverty amazing <laughs> like some one of those things that you're just sitting there like how the heck are you doing such cool stuff you know what i mean like yeah. like what <laughs> um and that was saturday then today uh i only was there for the morning yesterday so that's all i saw i was there for the full day today uh-huh. uh today we heard from a few more amazing people um notably for me one being bob case my boss uh oh, who got bob. to keynote and every time i hear something from him i get more inspired and remember just how much awesomer he is than i even thought he was but he spoke about uh sort of his journey it actually had a lot of tie-ins to what i when we spoke a couple weeks ago about his decision to stay here and and kind of how that tied into what i was explaining uh he kind of you know spoke to that and spoke to his experience and his journey uh, one of the key takeaways that he said was, uh, fuck everybody else. It's your, <laughs> it's your it. life. <laughs> Just to give you a moment, but like, that's, that's the, the kind of guy Bob is. And he's, he's really created a following and built his entire career, you know, around that, which was awesome. And then closing the show was a guy named, uh, Rob Zilla, the third or Rob Generate the third, who does amazing vector art. He calls himself the vector art monster. Uh, but he does amazing vector art all on his iPad with the Apple Pencil. Um, and he's drawn incredible uh, pictures of LeBron James, a bunch of sports stars from, he's from Washington, D.C. So a bunch of the, the teams in Washington, D.C. Uh, he worked with Marvel. He worked with um, the Obama administration at one point. Like just amazing work that this guy's done. And he kind of just showed us all of it he did this like not so humble brag where uh tim cook had tweeted about him because he was talking about like some of the new stuff you do with one of the apps and tim cook was like my favorite is and then like listed him you know (laughs) (laughs) and just like just amazing what this guy has been able to do with just an ipad uh and and literally in like the last seven years he was an art teacher this was his side job he's obviously now doing it full time and in such a short amount of time he's created a really unique style uh that was just like awe-inspiring so that's where i'm at and that's how i'm feeling. <laughs> that's awesome though you got to go to it i mean it's cool to have the summary of it but what do you think like what's your key takeaway that you want people who weren't there or able to attend to to know um do passion projects if there is one thing that everyone talked about it was it was just doing you know uh and they all had their own spin on on how to go about it but but the main takeaway is actually be doing a passion project. Meaning one thing that Rob said is he's like, I get the question a lot. Like, what do you do when you experience like an artistic block when you get stuck? And he's like, I don't get stuck. Why? Because if it's not something I'm passionate about anymore, I just stop and I do something else. Uh, granted that might not work for everybody. If you're continuously getting stuck, the point of it was always have something that you're doing, whether it be, design whether it be writing whether it be painting whatever it is that that is you always be doing something and never be afraid to try something new if you want to do it on the side uh that's that was kind of the theme of bob's talk too is 
Bob has learned all of these different things that he's done just because he decided he wanted to try, you know, and, and that's kind of been how he got started in all of them. A lot of them, he had no business starting in as he'll tell you himself. Uh, and now he's known for them. So just always keeping a passion project and always trying new things. If you want to just going after them and doing them is, is probably the, the main takeaway that I got yeah. from a lot of the people just to make awesome. shit. Keep learning, right? Exactly. This is pretty cool. And I think it kind of ties into what I want to talk about next, um, which uh, is Barton F. Graff. You know, we've talked about them. We talked about our favorite work of theirs. We gave our own little eulogy. um, And funny enough, they decided to give themselves their own eulogy too, which is just, I think, speaks to just how fucking awesome they are, how much I love them. The fact that Jerry and all of them. And it was actually the Barton F. Graff employees that were still there that had the idea uh, to essentially hold a funeral for the agency. And hundreds of people showed up. They had an actual full casket with like all the flowers and arrangements and the board, you know what I mean? That shows the photo of the person. They had a priest there uh, to talk. They had a New Orleans jazz band doing like marching band doing music. Um, and they even had like a, a little nods to their work too. Like they had a mouse in their in their the casket that was a nod to back when they did ads for uh, Tomcat and it was Dead Mouse Theater was the campaign. Um, there were roasts. There were people talking about it. There was a lot of crying, um, and it just an amazing line from Jerry Graff, where he says, "Everyone says you have to play it safe so you don't die." Whoops. <laughs> Um, you know, and it's just, it's just fucking brilliant. And, and his point is like, so what that we died because we had a fucking life, like what a fucking life, right? Is what he said. And it's like, I think that that's uh, kind of ties into your point, Zach, that you learned at design week of like, just keep doing like, just because one door closes doesn't mean you can't switch to something new. And like, obviously it fucking sucks, but I hope all of them land on their feet and don't get discouraged and lead into new adventures. I hope jerry goes and does a new independent venture i hope he doesn't go to a to a you know a big holding company but i know that wherever he does go he's going to have success and i know that all those people that are still there or were there at barton f craft will have success too and i think it's just a good message for us all to be fearless keep taking risks and keep doing cool shit and stuff you believe in even if it doesn't work out all the time you're going to be much more fulfilled and happy because of it i think um mm-hmm. yeah uh, you know, this uh, off my soapbox now, just take two <laughs> steps down. Um, You've said your piece but yeah, as well. It huh? just is, you know, <laughs> I've yeah. said, I'm, you know, I've said my piece. Obviously, I had a rant, rant about Zencaster earlier in the week, and I'll, I'll hold off on that for now. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's just, I think it's important. I just, I look on Fishbowl, and there's so many people that are like upset and unhappy in this industry. And like, Again, like I feel like people just forget what this is about. It's about doing what you think is cool and right and making cool shit and helping people out. Like Zach, you talked about earlier in the week, you wanted to make people smile and laugh. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like if you can focus on doing stuff, even if it's not through your work, that's a passion project. Like, then do it. Like that'll. It's just so much better for you in the long run. Helps your career. Helps your happiness. And honestly, like someday when we're opening a fucking agency, like. I fucking hope that like I can stick to this too. And like, I just Jerry Graff is a huge inspiration to me on all this and how he handles himself and would love to get him on the show at some point. We'll see if that ever happens. Mm-hmm. Got to live into your best. Um, if I think of anything is what it really shows. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, I'm off the soapbox. Zach, it's time for you to step on. You have the soapbox talking stick, if you will. Um, Perfect. And uh, speaking of Johannes Leonardo, as I bumbled their name earlier, Johannes, Johannes, I've heard it both ways. Leo, as we'll call him, uh, had an op-ed in at age a couple weeks ago that we haven't been able to talk about yet because of Zuncaster. Shout out Zuncaster. Um, but Zach, I want you to just kind of talk to us about what the op-ed was and your thoughts on it. And Cole and I will kind of give our color commentary along the way too, but you had some good points about it. We've talked offline and I just want to, you kind of present it to the audience and, and just dive into it. Sure. Um, yes. So Leo Primatico, we think. Or like, yeah, <laughs> one of them. <laughs> I wasn't going to let you get away with just calling him Leo Trent. We had to, we had to throw that in there. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the chief creative officer and co-founder of Johannes Leonardo uh, wrote this op-ed, as Trent said, the headline being only the brave will reap the benefits of creativity. Uh, it's essentially his analysis of where the industry's at right now. Uh, and also a couple thoughts that he has on, on what we should do moving forward. It opens with a quote from, from him, obviously it was written by him. But, uh, he speaks to the fact that there's an old saying in screenwriting, uh, if you want to reveal the truth of a character, dial up the pressure and force him or her to make a choice. So what this, uh, what this quote is kind of speaking to is the fact that advertising, the advertising industry is being forced to make a choice right now, just like you would want a character to make. Um, we're getting to the point where the value of advertising creativity is at risk of disappearing as quoted by a different report that he mentioned. And he kind of goes in to describe the reasons that he feels like that is happening. Um, you know, tightening margins, media fragmentation, uh, agencies diversifying their offerings in order to quote, stay relevant and grab new revenue opportunities. Uh, kind of just taking shots in the dark, just trying everything in order to stay afloat, because that's what we've gotten to. And that's not necessarily a good thing. That's not necessarily how you want to run your business, obviously. <laughs> but that's kind of the pressure that a lot of agencies are feeling right now. And so this piece is sort of his response to that. He breaks down how we got here, because obviously not all of that happens at once. It's a collection of steps, a collection of changes that build on each other in order to get us to this place. And then, as I said earlier, he, he provides... Uh, sort of his opinion on how we can break free of that. So to sort of go into uh, those things that I was talking about that build on each other that, that got us here, uh, he calls out some of them directly, and I'm just going to read them to you in his words. Uh, so the first one was defining the quality and bigness of an idea by the variety of media placements in which it appeared. Number two, putting the priorities of the media platforms on which our, our brands live before those of our own brands. Three, taking way too long to realize that digital media efficiency is not the way to build brand equity. Four, that award shows creating endless categories resulting in a litany of one-off executions garnering the biggest prizes, even though, less effect even though they're less effective for clients. And finally, favoring short-term solutions that come with this, the safety net of a guaranteed, albeit far less effective outcome. So that's sort of his analysis of how we've gotten to this point. Short-term solutions, award shows, you know, giving awards to a bunch of one-off campaigns and the industry responding to that by making a bunch of one-off pieces that might be award bait. Uh, 
taking too long to realize that digital media efficiency is not the way to build brand equity, putting the priorities priorities of media platforms before their own brands. This is just your recap, so you get to hear them all again, obviously. The TLDR, so to speak. Yeah, by the media placement in which it appeared. So that's where we're at. That's his analysis of what has led us to this this place that advertising is in. And, and we've talked about it a lot on this show, guys. Uh, we've noticed it in our jobs too. We've noticed it when we were getting hired that the industry is struggling. I mean, we just talked about a, yeah. an agency's funeral, for God's sakes. You know, like clearly people are struggling with some of these things. Now, he doesn't stop there. His The rest of the article is committed to his his opinions on how to break free of that. Um, like kind of like I said in the headline, uh, only the brave will reap the benefits of creativity. So clearly, you know where his stance is. Um, but sort of what all this culminates into is the fact that clients have grown skeptical of our value because so much of it is just taking shots now, trying what we can. Uh, and with the ability to test everything, we've gotten to this point where, you know, obviously not everything is going to work well but it's almost like we're expected to make sure everything works well. And it, that's so hard when you're making something subjective. Not every movie gets critical acclaim, you know? Yeah. Not every song wins an award. Like advertising in a lot of instances is similar to those entertainment mediums. And you're not going to always strike gold. But when there's a lot of money that clients are putting behind these campaigns... They're expecting you. They're almost demanding that you strike gold. And now when they can psychoanalyze and scrutinize every single piece of content that you put out, that pressure only builds, you know? Um, and so his solution to that is that we need to be more courageous. Uh, we need to be braver. We need to talk about courageous creativity being the only creativity that matters, that, that, focusing on you know building actual big campaigns and not focusing on the mediums and not focusing on awards and really taking bold creative stances and, and, and making bold ideas come to life is the solution for that which sounds amazing in theory i don't i don't think any of us are, are arguing with that to yeah. me the problem is how you know how do we that point how do we how do we uh start to build those campaigns and he lists a couple things here uh he says dig for undeniable brand truth stop chasing trends actually it's just those two very important um but what i kind of want to discuss with you guys is that neither of those things are relatively new. Yeah. You know, at least from my perspective, I've right from when advertising, right from when I started pursuing advertising, I knew that we needed to dig for undeniable brand truth. I'm pretty sure isn't McCann's motto truth well told. <laughs> I don't know, but it's not ads well done. Shots is The point is that, that these things and stop chasing trends. Obviously we know we want to build lasting impacts um and so what i want to talk to you guys about is that to me it doesn't sound like these things are are new it sounds like we're just not doing them effectively 
because when you see them work right, they do work. I mean, well. look, like, so, like my mind immediately goes to like our talk about, and honestly, at this point, <laughs> shout out Zencaster. I don't remember if this ever made it to the light of day because I know we had a bunch of recording audio issues. Mm-hmm. Maybe this was just a conversation you and I had offline, Zach. But like, fucking for Machado, you know what I mean? Fucking for Machado, literally ha- has been told, you know, CMO of Burger mm-hmm. King has been told by his agency even at one point hey we think this idea is just gonna blow up in our faces let's not do it let's do something else we can think of another idea he said nah it's okay i think it'll work and if it doesn't i'll just come work with you guys instead you know and the idea blew up and was super successful Mm -hmm. and like the average tenure of a cmo right now is 43 months so that's about like three and a half years compared to almost seven and a half years for a ceo so like People running businesses are cycling through their CMOs like twice faster rate than they are. I think a lot of people don't understand marketing and the point of it anymore. I think budgets have been so finicky and with all this data reporting, as you and he mentioned in the article, have made too much of a focus on analytics and reporting to no offense, Cole, Mm -hmm. to the point where I think like Uh, to a certain point. I got my clap back, it's fine. Yeah. Well, oh my, yeah. God, just clap back at me again. I'm on your side. Um, Not me. Hold on. The the point I'm trying to get at is like the analytics have a purpose. It 100% does. And and you need analytics. You need insights. You need deep data to be able to fuel great work. But you also need the boldness to say, hey, we think this is going to work. We don't have all the answers. It's time we just take a chance. Like, okay, if a campaign flops, as long as it's not fucking racist or offensive, you're fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if it doesn't hit and it's not offensive, what's the harm in it? Just use that as knowledge. Learn what does and doesn't resonate with your consumer base or the people you're trying to reach out to and try another campaign. Fail fast and keep trying work. And it's hard. It's easier said than done because marketing people just don't get budgets anymore. Uh, I think, again, partially because people focus so much on like, oh, if I put in $100 into a Facebook ad campaign, I'll get a 150% return on investment uh, or return on ad spend rather. And with that ROAS, I can just keep putting limited budgets here and here through targeted advertising. I'll be fine. But that's not how you build a brand. That's not how you find a brand truth. That's not how you do marketing. You know what I mean? That's sales at that point, in my opinion. And I think he does a good job of calling it out. And that's just kind of my thoughts on it. I think braveness is important. I think it requires a partnership and a trust between a CMO, an internal marketing team, and an agency to really hold hand in hand and trust each other to take those chances and to have great communication along the way. And again, I always revert back to that as the brand person, the account person in this in this room. But like literally build that relationship and have that trust because that's the only way you're going to really be able to take some of these chances, I think. I think the best work is coming from the best client agency relationships right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, Cole. No, I think that was great. Come at me, Cole. I mean, I'm ready. <laughs> I think no, exactly. And and this is the thing too. It's I mean, I agree with you on, you know, pretty much all of that as well. I feel like that to a big extent, the reason that things are stagnating is because we're trying old methods to solve new problems. Mm. Um, and so, you know, honestly, either way, no matter which way we cut it, people are trying to tie marketing and advertising goals to business goals you know there it comes down to the the classic statement you know i spend um money on advertising and i know that 
half of it's working, but I don't know which half, (laughs) you know, and people have been trying to nail that down with data. And I mean, data is there to help. It's there to, you know, assist, you know, in my role to optimize, you know, a media campaign or figure out what creative is performing best some of the time. But those are not foolproof methods that you can build a brand off of. And even to our discussion earlier in this week about auto brands and not really feeling the relevancy there and a lot of that advertising and not really seeing where that's going, we need to be using data to find where people really are, you know, and what's most relevant to them rather than just tracking metrics and things like that. I think that behavioral analytics and things can be used uh, to find a lot of amazing insights that, you know, people wouldn't be able to necessarily act on before. But there is a role that creativity is always going to take there. And when you're building a brand, when you're trying to find something that's central to that problem that you're solving for someone out there as a brand, I think that is going to drive great creativity in the future. And, you know, I want to say media and analytics are there to sort of, you know, back those things up and optimize those. So, you know, you're reaching the right people at the right time so that you're taking advantage and doing cool things like the Harry Potter spot that we talked about earlier in the week. That's a really cool opportunity to do this really exciting creative activation, but, you know, also incorporate, you know, media in a way that, um, you know, is able to tell that story as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's using creativity and it's using data and analytics to find those new opportunities. But I think that you're right. You have to be brave if you're going to stand out from the crowd and kind of going back to what I said before, you know, you can't use old methods to solve new problems. You know, people are interacting in completely different ways with media now with social media, with, you know, as we talked about earlier in the week as well, gaming, all of these different things. That's how you're going to find that new uh, interaction with the customer. It's not just plastering more ads in front of them and putting more ad dollars behind huge media campaigns that aren't necessarily going to push the needle. You need to change people's minds with great creative and a great brand message that is going to back that up. And creativity is the only way to do that. So, nice. There we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. Uh, a couple things. One, you nailed it. Um, I'm trying to melt their minds here in some sort of way. <laughs> no, and what I, I think that the distinction I'd like to make is that I think that the data analysis, research, and measurement that goes into building a campaign is much less of a problem at this point than the data analysis and metrics that the end clients the respond to. Yep, I, I completely agree. It's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's been up for one day. How did it do? You know, oh my gosh. It's that information, it's those metrics that they are so mm-hmm. worship, you know, above all else. It's and the, it barely it's the business the equivalent of it barely well, that person you follow on Instagram who you see they posted a photo and in an hour it's gotten like three likes and then they take it down. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> I, or the yeah, I mean, and this is something going back to what I see, this is something that I see, you know, all the time where clients, they don't realize that you have to aggregate a certain amount of data, you know, you have to get stat sig, so to speak, you yeah, know, yeah, significant, significant yep, yep, yep. in order to actually be able to act on any sort of data and insights. And when you want something the next day, 
you know, not even everything is actualized yes. at that point. You don't even know if you have, you know, a quarter of your conversions mm-hmm. or something like that. Well, and I think and the, so you really need to give it time. Yes. And you can't just be acting on these, you know, quick little things because it's not that telling. Exactly. Time is, and that's, I think, that's what I think where this sort of breaks down is that time is, can be beneficial. One to the campaign, but like when you look at like, sometimes a song will come out and it doesn't pick up for a couple months. You know, it adds a little different because you've got a you've got a strict media plan that you're sticking to, you know, but like sometimes these things take a, a while to catch on, you know, an idea takes a little bit of time to resonate in culture. But you're not going to know that if you respond to the first week's data and the numbers aren't to your standards, doesn't even mean they're not necessarily good. They're not to your standards. But since there's so much pressure to meet exceedingly more difficult standards with less money it's causing this sort of like disconnect well and i think so much of the big part of it that goes back to that cmo churn that you talked about is that's what they're tying job performance yeah and and there was even like a uh uh, actually hmm, let me be careful how i say this there there was there have been different times that I've been involved in stuff and heard stuff at various places I've worked. And this is no place in particular, but there have been several times where literally there have been pitches that have been declined quote, because, Hey, I love this idea. This is too out here for me. Now I'm brand new in this position. I just have to do something safe. Yeah. Cause people are afraid. And exactly. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> goes back to the point. Um, that's yeah, we experienced something similar too, where a couple of things were were killed just because I think ours was the other way around where it was um not a new person but new management. Yeah. yeah. Actually it could have even been both. But in both of those instances, uh people are trying to find their footing. And that's where a lot of the politics come in, comes into this too. That's where, you know, selling where, where it falls on the agencies to to sell their ideas and to to help the the clients feel comfortable but sometimes you're never going to get there because it doesn't matter what you tell them if it's not safe and it's not gonna it's not gonna tick off anyone in any way they won't accept it because they're all they're looking for is the perfect cookie cutter campaign that will move the numbers by exactly what they want and nothing more you know to establish and honestly like the the the, look i mean this is just marketing 101 but it's i feel like it's worth calling out because i think a lot of times different companies struggle with it and I think the real successful brands right now are the ones that do this well. And like, look, you have the way you grow a budget is through increased sales, right? But you can't get a steady, reliable increase of sales doing sales advertising. Like what you really need to do is you need to have, if you're looking at the budget you have for the year, you need to figure out in your campaign planning, your budget planning process, how to allocate that what you need is what are your key points of sales that you know are super effective what can you do to promote around that time is it a black friday promotion is it is it like start of football season is it start of summer have promotions tied to those specific things but then along the way you also need equity brand building campaigns to go where you have specific targeted stuff but then you also have these other bigger spots that are just there to get awareness to get brand recognition to improve brand uh, opinion and and by slowly building that over the course of a year you're getting more and more people aware you're building stuff up while you're also still pushing your sales and then the money that you get from those brand equity broader campaigns 
is that little bit of incremental money that steadily can go into the budget and get pushed into building the brand next year and doing more and doing more. And I think too often to both of your points, I think there's just too much of a, hey, it needs to be done now and it needs to be fixed. Like a good sports analogy Mm -hmm. is a lot of the times like football teams, for example, with football, like they'll want to fire a coach after a year if the team struggles. And it's like, no, a coach needs to come in and implement a scheme, get new players that fit the scheme, build the talent, get people to buy in. I mean, look at the 49ers. They've been terrible the last couple of years because of injuries, and now they're 5-0. and You know, you kind of have to trust the process a little bit. And I think trust the process, as Joel Embiid says, <laughs> and as I will always quote him, I think there's too much of a rush and too much of a pressure here. And, and look, like that can't be changed, but I think there needs to be a mass re-education about the purpose of marketing in the first place because i don't think people inside brands get that especially when most ceos come from a finance background or an accounting background and i think most even people in advertising agencies sometimes need help to to think of the lingo and to think of the white sheet the one pager to help explain to the client that too um there's yeah. a lot of it needs to be a lot of hand-holding and coming together and hopefully i think again a good agency partnership can help that definitely oh. Yeah, actually, I don't even know if I need to to sing. Yeah, I think I put a good bow on it. And if anything, you know, advertising is still, you know, you can't distill it down to just numbers. The numbers help, but, you know, it's not, it's, there's more to it than that. There's, you know, yeah. a little dash. It's like, I'm a quote, we, in order to get an idea to I'm catch I'm a quote, uh, Jimmy McElroy um, from the classic ice skating movie, which now I can't remember the name of it. Oh, Blades of Glory. Blades of Glory. <laughs> Blades of, of Glory. Yeah. I'm a peacock man. You got to let me fly. And, uh, you know, got to let these marketers fly. Got to let these brands grow. And uh, if we can do that, I think advertising will be in a better place. <laughs> got to let Amen. Amen. <laughs> Rest in peace, Barton F. Graf. You will be dearly, dearly missed. Um, I think that's it for this week. Um going to be back again on tuesday with some bite-sized takes is there anything else you you guys want to wrap up with any hot pressing items you can think about or are we, I think we're are we done sailing. are we done for I'm the day mm-hmm. all right yeah time to sail away okay. go into the weekend i hope you have a great weekend i hope you've been having a great week as always make sure to follow along with us on instagram and twitter at salad underscore podcast at age is following us so why aren't you <laughs> now um <laughs> And make sure to reach out, hit us up with some questions. I'd love to do a mailbag of some fan questions here in the next couple of weeks. So send some stuff in, whether it's through Anchor and the Anchor app, you can send us audio messages with questions, whether it's through Instagram or Twitter, where you DM us or add us on Twitter. Uh, we'll get them, compile them and start talking. And yeah, that's it. We're done. I got nothing else to say. Um, this is Trent signing off and we'll see you uh, here again Tuesday for some bite-sized steaks. All right. Thanks, everybody. And have an ad-tastic week.